What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of Frame Skip, the number fun podcast on the internet. Yeah, sure, you could listen to those other big shows like Former Employees, the biggest game site in the world, but why do that? And you could listen to people that are completely unqualified and just want to put their opinions on the internet for you to hear. Our parents didn't give us a whole lot of validation as children. We are here and exist just for your pleasure. Anyway, I am joined, as always, by the amazing Austin Eller. What's up, Seth? Not a whole lot, pal. What's up with you? Oh, not too much. Just out here looking for validation. And right. the legendary George Cam Newton Loftus. Woo! Higher draft pick. Yeah, we're going to get a higher draft pick. And we're not going to have Cam Newton. <laughs> Yay! Not not going to have Cam Newton? Probably not. Uh, he was great the first three weeks and then fell off a cliff. I don't know what that means. He literally fell off a cliff and died. Oh, no. You hate to see it. No. <laughs> I do not follow uh, football whatsoever. So uh, you talked about validation a lot. Is everything okay? Everything's great. I would not think everything's okay. Oh no! <laughs> I just I want you to feel like the valedictorian. Like I want you to feel super valid dictated. George, let me tell you something right now, bud. My life is as good as it's gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, Seth, the peaks like us. <laughs> Seth, rock bottom like us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, I was doing it like it was a good thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so what have you guys been up to? I haven't been on in a couple, couple weeks. And uh, how how's the show been? How's everything? How's life? Oh, it's been good. We've been we've been holding it down, I suppose. Last week, we took the week off. So, oh, did you really? Did you do a podcast last? Yeah, week? we didn't. We didn't do a show last week. So this is the first show in a couple weeks. But yeah, ah, it's, it's so... been good. We missed you. As I, always, I miss being here. Uh, you know, I, I have had a busy life lately. Things have kept me preoccupied, but even holding the throne for the king, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, but the king is back and he's ready keeping to rule his kingdom. Warm. Yeah, keeping, well, keeping the seat warm. That's right. They should yeah. make a book or a movie or something about a king coming back. I feel like there's a good, yeah, good title in there somewhere. Like the king is returning of something like that. Yeah. Return of the Baron, maybe. Ooh, yeah. yeah. You guys were essentially, if you, no, I don't know how much you follow Game of Thrones, but you were essentially Jamie Lannister after he killed the Mad King, who sat on the throne holding it for Robert Baratheon. Yes. Now, this is important in, in the lore of Game of Thrones because Jamie Lannister could have just claimed the throne for himself and become king at that point in time, but instead, he chose to hold the throne for Robert Baratheon and thus was labeled the Kingslayer Didn't? for many years to come. So you're Robert Baratheon in this case? Yes. And so, then he had incestual relations with his sister. So no, Robert well, Baratheon didn't. That was Jamie. But didn't no, Robert yeah. Baratheon didn't he eat and drink himself to death? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. Well, technically, mm -hmm. Cersei poisoned his his honeyed wine. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Man, you are rock bottoming right now. If that's you're like, oh man, I am Robert Baratheon. What a what a way to go. <laughs> and I just want I just want to make this clear. Jamie did have an incestuous relationship with his sister, but they were twins. Okay. <laughs> okay. That I hate, conversation's I over. hate everything about that. <laughs> I hate literally everything about that. No comment on that one for me. 
if you lay with a clone of yourself, is it incest? I mean, he makes I'm a just, he makes I'm, a good point. Like, I, I hate it, but he makes it. He makes a good point. God. All right. Um. So let's jump into what we've been playing this past week because we've all been caught up on how we've been doing in the world. Uh, George, how about how about you start, bud? All right. S- send us on a journey. All right. Um, I've been really bad. I, I feel bad. I have a PlayStation Five. I haven't really turned it on. I've had such a Star Wars itch lately that I decided to look through my storage and uh, finally unpack my PC, which I which I had out in San Francisco. Brought that home here, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to start the Old Republic. And so I started the Old Republic, and my computer immediately crashed. And I was like, well, that's not a great sign. Well, no, that's not how it, that works. It, I don't know PCs at all. Like The last time I was really into PC gaming, uh, StarCraft Brood War had just come out. So that's the last game I remember like being really hyped for. Uh, so it, it, the screen got super zoomed in and I just couldn't select anything on like the screen for the old Republic. And I don't know PCs well enough to like close out of it, but then I was able to finally close out of it by hitting like the control bar. And then I was taken back to my desktop and then even my desktop was super zoomed in to the point where I couldn't shut down my computer without like doing a, a hard shutdown with like the power button. Um, that is a problem that I have not run into. Ever. Yeah. Well, I also just don't know what I'm doing. So I decided like, huh, it's super zoomed in. What if I plug it into a bigger screen? So I plugged it into my TV and then that was fine. <laughs> and- I was trying to troubleshoot this with George and he was saying like the resolution was fine. Like everything was fine. I've never heard of this problem before. <laughs> yeah, I looked it up. What? I have, I have a friend. A simple solution. <laughs> and like such a backwoods like solution <laughs> it's zoomed in so i'm just gonna increase the surface area let's go like <laughs> i mean you joke but like it worked uh <laughs> yeah no, it's amazing like it's incredible so then i tried running the old republic again and i got further but then like there was a little screen flicker and then the game crashed and so i created oh, God. i did like three of the five pages to create a character and then the screen flickered again then the game crashed and then i was like man yeah. screw this this sucks so then I played Civ Five for the next nine hours <laughs> until five wow. o'clock in the morning. Well, Civ Five worked, but the Old Republic didn't, huh? Yeah, that's weird. Super weird. But man, I was playing as Venice, which is a a civilization where you can only have one city, but you can like create great merchants who go out and buy city states. And so, oh man, I just got to the modern age. It is that game is still so great. I remember like drunkenly buying it when it was on sale in college on like my MacBook Pro, which could barely run it. Those games are so good, man. They're they're just fantastic. I never really played much of Civ. I think I have five and six. I might have played a little bit of them, but I, I've never been super into strategy games. But one of these days, I need to give it a go. Six is usually on sale on Switch for like ten bucks, and it, like I've yeah. actually played it on Switch, and it's super fun. I just like Civ Five more because I was. That's like, what I, I've heard. I, I dumped like three hundred hours into Civ Five. Like I just got so used to those mechanics and whatnot. Right. Um, you know what's amazing though, Austin, is that like. There's two different types of strategy games, mm-hmm. and they're vastly different, but they're in the same right. category. So like you got your Japanese strategy games, which is like Final Fantasy Tactics and Disgaea. Right. You got your Western strategy games, which is like Civ. And no one makes any distinction between the two, but they're almost they're completely different. They're completely different, they're completely yeah. different genres. Where like in JRPGs, you have Western RPGs and like Japanese RPGs. And to the strategy genre, it's just it's just strategy games. And they're right. almost completely different games. 
Well, because Japanese strategy games are more like grid based, usually mm-hmm. like Fire Emblem. Yeah. Um, or like you said, uh, tactics. Is uh, so. is is Mega Man Battle Network? Would you guys count that as like a uh, mm-hmm. a grid based so. strategy game? Yeah. I yeah. think it, I think of it more as like a puzzle game almost. Uh, just because there's like three lanes for you to like manipulate. So like, okay, we're getting into the minutia of games, but yeah, Civ Five, <laughs> still awesome. Uh, and like I said, Civ Six, I played it on Switch. It runs really well on Switch. That's a great way to play it, just because it's like the perfect. I'm gonna lay on the couch and just mess around with this while a basketball game's on. Right. Um, it's it's awesome. Nice, nice. Anything else? Uh, I've built three Gundam models this week too. I think I just needed oh. a break from from video what, what, games. What, what Gundam models did you build, bud? Tell me, tell me all, all right, about them. First one I built was uh, this nice little GM high okay. grade, okay. the colony type from a uh, Gundam 0080. You love to see it. And then I built this, the GM uh, command type from 0083, oh, okay. which is uh, probably my favorite Gundam series because it's basically okay. just Top Gun. Yep, a lot of people love uh, 83, 0083. And then I built this guy, the Gustav Carl from. Uh, from Gundam Unicorn. This is my least favorite kit I think I've ever built. It's not now is that is that a master grade or just an ungraded one hundred? No, it's just a super big high grade. The suits uh got progressively bigger in like Gundam UC until Gundam Unicorn, and then they start getting smaller again. But Seth, you're gonna appreciate this because uh, a master grade I bought came in the mail today. Okay, which one? Yes, dude, that's one of my favorite kits of all time yeah sorry this is an audio podcast uh this is the burning gundam yes from g gundam i'm excited because it's kind of a smaller kit like it looks relatively easy to build so it's just going to be like a smooth oh i'm gonna listen to a podcast yep about redrafting the 1997 nba draft class for the next two hours and just and just (laughs) now that that was my second kit i ever built and it's a really good, fun kit. It's bal- you can you can stand the kit on one leg. That's how good of balance it has. Awesome. The only problem with it is it's got that the the old gunpla syndrome where there's not a whole lot of detail to fill in. So like even if you panel line it and whatnot, it doesn't look a whole lot better than if you leave it just straight out of the box. And I love customizing my Gundams. I like putting the stickers on and panel lining and clear. Yeah, I like, and I like doing that too. But I also I just don't have the space to do what I want to do. Like I would, I'd love to throw like a matte finish on everything, but like I don't have an airbrush gun. You know, like I just don't have the space for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um, you also don't you, you don't need an airbrush gun to get a good matte finish. You can use the Mister Hobby little cans. Oh yeah, but I wouldn't want to throw a matte finish on if I didn't like paint over like the the nub marks and stuff like that. You know, that's true. That's true. All right, Austin, what about you? What's up with you, bud? Not a whole lot. Just before we go into games I've been playing, I, I was just going to say I never got into Gundam. I never watched any Gundam at all or or bought any of the kits, but I've really been kind of interested in getting into that whole series and just um, doing, you know, models and stuff like that. I think it'd be really fun. Are you looking uh, for, are you asking where to start? Yeah, or? that was what I was going to ask. Because like, I know there's like just tons and tons of, anime series for Gundam is there like a good starting place yeah so you give give your answer and then I'll give my answer because I think it's such a hard question because the the common like answer would be like start at the beginning start with Universal Century (laughs) and like but that's there's so so much in Universal Century I would say like dip your toe in with like um G Gundam or Gundam Mm -hmm. Wing or Gundam Seed because they're not connected to Universal Century at all and like see if you're or maybe like even Gundam Double O is generally regarded as one of the best as well. And see if like you're into the whole thing. Right. And then if you do like that, if you are into it, go back 
and watch some of the Universal Century stuff because they have started remaking some of it with like Gundam the Origin and stuff like that and make it a little right. more digestible. And the stories are like extremely good and they're extremely political and like re- really great. Right. Um, but I would I would I would start with one of the standalone series that's very highly regarded. Probably Gundam Double O because it gives you like I think it gives you like a good taste of what Universal Century and like what the overall Gundam picture is. Right. And then if you if you want something a little more wacky, a little more fun, check out my favorite series, which is G Gundam, because it's, it's out of control. <laughs> it's, it's just Dragon Ball Z with robots. Like that's sure what that series is. is. And so it's like every four years they decide who gets to rule the world, like every country oh with like God. with a martial arts tournament. And so every <laughs> yeah. country submits a Gundam as its representative. Hell yeah. Wow. It's like a regular season where you have to accumulate enough points and victories. To huh. then qualify for the playoffs, basically, and then it just becomes a straight up martial arts tournament between different it's countries. Awesome, and like <laughs> like like the like the best part about it though is because this came out in I think the that early was like 90s, 90, 94, 95, yeah, and it's got like the horrible early dub syndrome where like the dub is atrocious, <laughs> but it it breaks through the barrier into like incredible, so like. <laughs> Like, like, like it makes the main character look like this, like super hard, like, I don't care, yeah. like tropey anime character. But then when his master comes around, Master Asia, who is like, mm-hmm. like one of the main antagonists of the show, he's like, master, like, <laughs> how could you have betrayed me? And then like, there's these amazing scenes where they do like these like karate poses huh. every time they see each other. And it's like, it's like G Gundam's like incredible. It's but it's great. not a good representation of what Gundam is right. as a whole. Because Gundam's no, like that was that was one of the first ones that wasn't in the Universal Century. Right. And so it was like for their twentieth or fifteenth anniversary or something, they made three series that had nothing to do with previous Gundams. And instead they just took the idea and saw, okay, how different can we make Gundam? How outside the box can we make Gundam? So there was like that, and then there was Gundam After War X or Gundam X After War. And then that was basically just like an alternate history of the original Gundam series. Mm-hmm. And then there was Gundam Wing, which was just, okay, how can we keep similar tropes, but just do things differently? And that's actually, I'm actually rewatching Gundam Wing right now. And like, man, that show is bad, but I love it. It's so dramatic. And like the script is awful. And like so many things they say, it just sounds like they're just like (laughs) making fun of other characters, but they're saying it, they're saying it completely earnestly. And it's just, it's really cool. I thought it was so cool when I was a kid. Cause I'm like, oh man, he's in Italy. Now he's in Luxembourg. Oh, now he's like going to a base in Brazil. I was just like, oh, this is like global. And so like it was totally taking advantage of like the globalization that was happening like in the mid 90s. Like it was forward thinking in that regard. But then it just really slowed down in terms of like modern day sensibilities. Uh, I really like Mm -hmm. it a lot. See, I hate Gundam Wing because the main character is so unlikable that it makes it like unwatchable for him. He's he's such a jerk. (laughs) He's such a jerk. I love him so much. Yeah, like like he's straight up like this girl invites him to his party. and He's like, I'm going to kill you. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't even do that. She invites him to her birthday party in like the first episode, and then he just like rips up the invitation in front of her and <laughs> yeah. everyone at the school, and then he just like whispers into her ear, "I'm gonna kill you." Yeah. And then she's just like, oh my god. "What?" <laughs> and that's the main character of the show. It's just like so. I, I can't watch it. 
Yeah, but, but, then, she, trying... but then she falls in love with him and then chases him for the next Naturally. 48 episodes. Um, As happens generally in real life. Yeah, when, when you right. play the most hard to get. Yeah. <laughs> Be a right. piece of garbage and the women white. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say try try like Gundam Double O or even maybe Iron-Blooded Orphans. I think Iron-Blooded Orphans one I, is fantastic. That's the one I show. thought you were going to recommend. I thought for yeah. sure you were a big IBO fan. Um, I am. I love, there's I love a IBO. There's a bunch on Hulu. Like I think Gundam Double O is okay. on Hulu. Uh, Gundam Wings on Hulu. Gundam Unicorn is on Hulu, but that's kind of like a, an epilogue almost, like all the UC stuff. And so like, I think it's probably the best Gundam thing ever made, but it's not going to have as much meaning if you haven't watched the right. previous stuff. And um, don't tell anyone, but I've ripped everything Gundam I own on DVD onto a hard drive. <laughs> so, so if you want to watch the older stuff, I could... Uh, Maybe make talk that, about it off air. I yes, talk about it off air. <laughs> <laughs> I'll meet you to back alley. You got no, the I was just, I got the money. I was just curious because it, it's something I've always been curious about, but never ventured into. And like I for Christmas, I got I think I sent you guys, but my parents bought me that Lego like the stormtrooper bust, mm-hmm. and it's like you know as they are making a lot of these now, but sort of the more like adult oriented Lego kids mm. that are a little more intense. Um, and just like sitting there building that, that afternoon, I was like, man, I wish I had more stuff that I could do like this. So these, um, these kids I built, I think the most expensive one was $25, but like the right. other two were like 11 and those are HG. And like the problem with the HG line is that it's been around for so long. Like, mm-hmm. I think they've made like 190 kits and like they actually number them like. Oh, two, three Gelgu. <laughs> And so that's the 23rd high grade they made. Right, exactly. So I would I would lean towards some of the later ones just because I think they're generally better made and like a little bit more interesting. But like a high grade should run you anywhere between like 10 to 15 bucks, really. And so like you can just dip your toe in and all you need is like an exacto knife to cut it. And like you could even use, if you were really careful, like fingernail clippers to like cut them off the, the sprues, hmm. like the runners. Right. Um, I mean, but, I would recommend spending the 20 bucks on Amazon to get a gunpla kit. Because it really helps having the side cutters. See that, yeah. and also a lot of them. If you have eBay, like a lot of them have free shipping on eBay, and like they're just that's right. like the storefront for like USA Gundam store. Like that's what I've been doing lately. Wow. Um. um yeah, dude. Fun. It's super fun though. It's a great hobby, and like, don't do what I did, and jump right into the master grade line. Yeah. And yeah. spend fi- and spend fifty hours trying to assemble the wing Gundam, and like just wanting wanting to like freak out because you can't yeah. read the directions. <laughs> they, made a, they, high grade. they actually just made a new line called entry level which are like i think six bucks and like oh, really? oh in, wow and incredibly detailed like they just made like the main protagonist and antagonist for the original series because those are like probably the two most iconic suits like the zaku and the gundam and that's like six bucks and so i think there's a site called like new newtype.us which is like a california run store yeah uh but and they just have so much inventory they're like the only store in the states i see that has like the super weird random kits that like the bigger shops are just out of stock on. So I, I do recommend right. that website if you're like, not going like, to go on eBay. It's one of those okay. hobbies that um, you can put as much effort into it as you want. Like a lot of guys just buy the kits, snap them together and put them on their shelf and, and it's good to go. Right. That's what like, I, do, I, yeah. I, I like to put like a load of effort into mine where like, yeah, <laughs> where like I'll get the master grade and I'll like panel line them with like this, these specific markers and I'll nubble, I'll whittle all the nub marks down and I'll coat, I'll clear coat them, put the stickers. Mm-hmm. Like I spend a ton of time on my my kits because I think it's just a fun hobby. And I want to get right. as much out of it as possible. But like you don't have to put that into it, you know. Like you can just get a high grade, snap it together, put it on your shelf, and you're good to go. 
Nice. Yeah. Well, some at some point I'll get into it. But anyway, as for games I've been playing, though. Uh, oh, yeah, we're doing a video game podcast. Ten minutes, ten minutes later. Um, <laughs> I've been playing more Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, so I'm about, buddy. I'm about 17 hours in now, maybe. And I just completed Act 1. So did you, I'm doing, did doing you explore, so much side stuff. Did you explore the entire first island? Not all of it, but about, I'd say, 75% so far. I will give you a warning. Um, mm-hmm. oh, actually, I don't think it matters because you finished Act 1. I cleared out all the bases on Island 1, and then as soon as I finished Act 1, they all reset. So to anyone oh. who hasn't started yet, don't, Interesting. don't do that if you don't want to do it twice. Yeah, I definitely cleared out a lot of those, so I, I guess I'm going to have to do them again. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, but no, I, I still adore that game. I think it's, like I said last episode, had I played it last year, it would have easily been my game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a good game. And something about, like for me, as I as I mentioned last episode, like I, I've really hardly touched the story, just kind of going around, like doing things I come across and exploring and upgrading taking, your gear right upgrading the gear like i've spent so much time doing all that stuff and i've like like i said i'm 17 hours in i've only done four or five story missions like i've hardly touched the story so not that i don't like the story it's just there's so much other stuff i want to do that it's like yeah just drawing my attention everywhere so you know what that game made me realize was that like because the game uses ubisoft's formula for assassin's creed right there's no yes, doubt about that absolutely what it made me realize was that like, cause I thought for a long time I was just tired of like these basic open world Ubisoft games, but it made me realize that like, I'm not tired of that genre. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of Ubisoft because <laughs> for some reason, every Ubisoft game feels exactly the same to me. Like Far Cry feels the same. It did all the way back in Far Cry three and Assassin's Creed right. still feels like, like a watered down version of like any open world RPG ever. Now I haven't played Valhalla yet, but I heard it had a lot of problems. So I'll play it when I feel you know, more comfortable doing that but i have 25 hours into valhalla and i haven't touched that game i checked my playstation i haven't touched that game in 50 days because i do that with every ubisoft game where i go really hard for like a week and a half yeah and then i take three months off and then i go back and it's an obsession and that's all i can think about so um, i've got like three more weeks of of winter until (laughs) i just think they need to take a a longer break man they took those two years where assassin's creed didn't come out and it was kind of nice and then Origins came out and everyone was like, wow, it's amazing. It's so different. Like, and, and like now they're doing this thing where like they keep they're releasing it on a schedule again. And I know I understand it's a business and everyone wants to like, you know, like make their money. But the thing they got to realize is that I, I really do think people are getting sick of, of like their formulas because Far Cry, it's literally the same game. You go, you go to all your towers, you unlock more of the map and like you continue like a really bare bones story that. Well- I don't know. The other thing I was going to say, too, is it's not like Call of Duty where, you know, you have like your six hour campaign and then multiplayer. This is like these are 50 to 60 hour long games that you're getting every single year. And I think to that, at least for me, for a while, it was it was just too much. Um, But I've taken a break from Ubisoft games for a while. I'm still not like necessarily ready to go back in. Like I started Origins a few months back and I liked what I play, but I was not super drawn (laughs) into it. But I will say. Um, I hope Far Cry 6 is good. I've kind of skipped on Far Cry ever since 4, and I platinum 3 and 4. I love those games, but I, I just needed a break. Like you said, they're right. all they're just the same. 
And so I'm hoping six is good because I love that series, but I, my gut feeling is it's just going to be the same, same stuff. So I, uh, I came to Far Cry three late and that is probably like one of my favorite games of all time. Like that game game is fantastic, but I came to it late and then I got a PlayStation four and then I grabbed Assassin's Creed four and I was really excited to jump into it. And like one of the first missions was like, Oh, you got to upgrade your smoke bomb pouch, go kill some lizards. I'm like, wait, what? I, yeah. I literally just did this. And so right. everyone has such high regard for Assassin's Creed 4. And I'm sure it's a great game, but I just couldn't get into it. Because I'm like, bro, I just did this. Like, I can't. I need a I need a longer break. And then by the time I was ready, I just got into Origins or I got into something else. Um, right. Right. I'm willing to make an exception for Far Cry just because it scratches the same part of my brain that Skyrim did. Right. Um, yeah. But Assassin's Creed, I think they could probably take three years between each game. And I think that's yeah. probably more in line with consumer, I guess, like stamina. I, yeah. I don't really know how to phrase it, but like every other year is like not enough time for how long those games take to beat because like, Oh yeah, it took 120 hours, but I spread that 120 hours out over eight months. Yeah. Right. So then it, it doesn't become you, fi- you finish one and then like the next one's already almost Exa- out. It's exactly. Like, and you're like, I oh, can't God. like it, it just make smaller games that are 30 hours. And like this, this I agree. Be, this would be fine. Um, Dude, because Assassin's Creed Odyssey was like so and you don't normally hear me complaining about this, but I think in the conversation we're having, it is a giant problem. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Odyssey was so big. Like yeah. Assassin's yeah. Creed Odyssey put The Witcher 3 to shame and The Witcher 3 was huge. Assassin's, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was so big that when i was playing it and i stopped playing it i was like i am good for a while you know like i 100 percent of that game i 100 percent of odyssey and i looked at my game clock and it was like 155 hours yeah and it's like that's and like man i had so much fun but also it's like you know skyrim came out eight years ago and like i put 150 hours into that you know (laughs) like so now i'm like yeah man i'm ready for the next skyrim because it's been eight years since I put that much time into it. That's why I'm part of why I'm digging Tsushima though, is it's not like the world itself is honestly not that big. Like it's, it's pretty medium sized, but there's just a lot to do and there's a lot to see. I feel like there's a lot of varying kind of landscapes and. Well, um, it's not just that though. The thing with ghost Tsushima is that everything you do is relevant to that character. Right. And it moves the story forward in some way. Whereas you're not just like collecting nonsense collectibles and whatnot. It's like, you're going to these temples and getting like training and like meditating and doing your poems like a real samurai would. Right. So like, it's not just like, Oh, I got to go help this lady kill some swamp rats. It's like, well, it's, it's that <laughs> we're saving also, villagers and whatnot. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not like, you're totally right. But it, I think it's even more than that too, where it's like, you know, when you're writing the haikus, you're getting like the most distilled truth about like how Jin is feeling. And like, I know you have options right. for like each line, but like, this is him putting into 17 syllables how he feels about this one subject. And like right. every time you go to like a hot spring, like you're seeing how beautiful this island is and you're seeing like what you're fighting for, you know, like that's uh-huh. like motivation. Yeah. You're like, this is what I'm trying to preserve. So, yeah, I, I totally agree that every side quest you do is just like slowly peeling back more, more layers and just like showing you like what's worth fighting for in that game. Yeah. And then right. also, also to your point, like you can put a, uh, a place like a waypoint on your map and you'll think like, Oh man, I gotta, I'm going to go by horse cause it's going to take a while. And you're there within you're there. I think more times than not less than half the amount of time you thought it would take. Like, yeah. but the Island 
is not that big. It just looks big, and and it's like it's just. And I really, love that really well placed, like relative to Jin's size. I guess is like what yep. I'm trying to say. Like everything right. looks enormous, but it's also like, oh, that's because land masses are really big when you compare them to a person. But it's it's not like impossibly right. large. Like you're not going over the entire or country of Greece. You're going over islands in like an archipelago like it's, it's a little different right. um, and getting there is enjoyable too like yeah, it's, getting, <laughs> getting there is enjoyable which is amazing because most games like open world games like you just want to quick travel everywhere right yeah. like in ghost of Tsushima, i found myself like actively wanting to ride my horse through these fields and get there and i'm like this is this is a this is a good game man like and it's, i really yeah, love it, ghost of Tsushima. it's not just the graphics too the graphics are amazing like it, it like the fidelity yeah. of that game is incredible but like the actual art direction of that game is jaw dropping. And like, yep. maybe that's the yep. problem with Assassin's Creed is that like in trying to look realistic, it looks kind of bland, mm -hmm. but like this looks like an artist made it, you know? And it's just like a pretty thing that you, it's a painting you can like literally walk through. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's rad. And that's, well, interesting that's why and that's different, you know, to Seth's point, like the, the horse riding, like I, I go by horseback everywhere instead of fast traveling. Cause I, I just want to see, like, I want to see what's in this world. Yep. And there doesn't need to be a quest per se. If there's like some beautiful mountain or landscape or something somewhere, like, I, I just want to see it. So, and it's, I don't know that a game has ever really made me feel that way, to be honest. And the, the dude, and the combat is so hype. Like, every time I ride yeah. somewhere, like, I'm hoping there's some Mongols, like, messing <laughs> with somebody. Cause I'll get out on a challenge and I'm like, let's go, buddy. Yeah. Like, it's me and you. Let's, ha let's handle this like men. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, really quickly back to the fast travel point, And then I'm, I'm I've said my piece on it. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I went by horseback or I just like ran everywhere. Like when I first started the game and then, um, when I was like going for the platinum, that's when I started like fast traveling, just being like, Oh, okay, well I just want to like get this quest over with and I've right. already been there. So I'll just do that. The fast traveling in that game just loads so fast. Like that's, it's so impressive that if you ever do fast travel, it is, it is miraculous. Super fast. And you're, you just, I don't understand how like, they figured it out with a game like that, but so many other games just falter in that well, regard. And I, I'm excited too, because side note, but I, I figured this would be a fun thing to bring up. I somehow managed to buy a PS5 last week. Woo! So um, that's apparently going to be ready for pickup at Best Buy on Thursday. Um, I did pick up Miles Morales and Demon's Souls, so I'll be playing those. But Naturally, part of the reason I wanted to go on and get it was because they unlocked the frame rate cap for Tsushima on PS5, so it plays at 60 frames. Oh, nice. And I'm super curious to see, like, the load times on the PS5. If they're already, like, almost non-existent, like, I can't even imagine. So, um, I'm very excited to continue playing. But, yeah, that's really it for me. Um, I haven't been on the show very often lately, so I've got a few games to talk about. The first one I want to talk about is... Uh, you know, I've had some fire in my blood lately, gentlemen. Some just pure gasoline fueled <laughs> combustion engine fire, right? I because I am okay. ready to buy my Camaro in the spring. I have the money put back, and I am just hyped. So I downloaded Forza Horizon Four on my oh PC. man, Hell and yeah. um, dude, I, this is the first time I've ever played a Forza game. This is the first Forza Horizon game I've played. And I am having so, so much fun playing this game. It is have, so good. It's super, super good. And I have some issues with it. The, really, the only issue I have with it is um, the, there's level scaling for the AI, which I absolutely hate in video games. It's going to be my topic this week, but I changed it last mm. second. Um, 
but like the game control is super good. You can tell they were like, oh, we want to pull in Forza, uh, Forza fans for the sim racing, but we also want to get some, like more casual arcade type mechanics right. in here. So that they, like they they make the game super fun. Um, I, and I would say this is pro because I, I dipped my toe in the actual Forza. I'm enjoying this way more than the actual Forza. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the the vehicle customization is amazing. It's super super pretty game. Uh, I'm obviously playing on my PC because that's that's you know that's where you want to play. It. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, but I'm having a, I'm having a blast with but it. And how do, you, I have a, do you do you just use the arrow keys to steer? No, I, I got I got a controller, which is I, w- I wanted to talk about this week okay. because my like so for the longest time I've had this right now blue Xbox controller right this looks like a blue Xbox controller this is actually the Power A controller from Walmart oh. it's a twenty dollar Power A controller okay. and I got to play PC games because I'm like this is probably good enough and it is it's great right. But this week, because everyone's been talking to me for years about the Xbox One controller and its haptic feedback and like how good the, everything is. So I went and bought this bad boy, uh, an actual Xbox One controller from Walmart uh, two days ago. And I plugged it in and I've been playing on it. And let me tell you what. Not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> the like, thing is, I, like, I, I, there's, there's a little bit of vibration in the triggers when you start accelerating in the car. And that's it. And I'm like, this is the, this is the, the the big deal that everyone's talking to me about. Okay, yeah, you should have put that money towards a PS5 controller. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I, I'm like, I'm like, okay, like this. All right, it's neat, but it's not. Yeah, I. It's not like the PS5, like like where it'll block you from like pressing down the R2 or whatever. Like it's it's just yeah. a little vibration. And honestly, I think I think the Xbox One controller. I'm probably gonna get flack for this. I don't play like a whole lot of like new games on my Xbox One just because that was always like my entertainment box. Um, mm-hmm. 4K Blu-ray. I could like right. run hard drives with I don't know maybe various Japanese anime titles produced in the 70s and 80s uh, off a hard drive on. I don't. That you legally own? I do legally own them. Yeah. No, they're all they're all ripped from my DVD. I mean, allegedly. Um, <laughs> I think that controller is like best for like the emulated games like the original xbox games like it's the best version of the original xbox controller it's like probably the yeah. best version of the 360 controller you know and mm-hmm. so like i i mean i mostly play older games on my xbox one so i know i'm biased but like i play star wars battlefront 2 three or four times a week when i can't sleep i'll just be out in the living room and like man that game like i play that game so much more now than i ever did in high school which is impressive considering how much I played it in high school just because it feels so good in that controller. But again, like it's not utilizing any of the features that were next gen advertised when it came out. Um, mm. Right. Yeah. Sorry, um, Sorry bud. No, you're fine. Um, I've been playing Forza Horizon. Like I said, really enjoying it. The game's amazing. We need uh, to play it, Seth. It's cross play. Okay. So sure. At some I'll, point I'll smoke you, bud. I will smoke <laughs> you. All right, I got I got an S two rank Lamborghini Gallardo now. So check it. Check yourself. All right. Okay. I also I also don't like slowing down around turns, and I crash a lot. <laughs> so, so let's go back a couple sentences and restart that again. Then I'm so used to playing Need for Speed, where I can literally just drift around ninety degree corners at a at Mach twenty. <laughs> but. Yeah, I'm having a blast with that. The other game I've been playing, of course, is Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, Watson and our other buddy Sheldon started playing, so I've been running them through the uh, beginner-level dungeons and whatnot, just, you know, how I do. Literally the best tank in Final Fantasy XIV over here. Um, other than that, there was there was another game that I was playing. Uh, oh, Persona 5 Royal. I've been playing Persona oh. 5 Royal. And I finally, after a week, got past the intro 
<laughs> because, dude, I'm telling you what, man. I really w- hope Atlas never does this again, where they release the main game and then they release an updated version of the main game with extra content because the intro to Persona 5 is, I'm not even joking, five hours long. Yeah. And I, I, I was playing through it and I'm like, I have done all this beat for beat already and I just don't care. You know? Right. Um, so I have seen like the new character, Kazumi, right? That's, that's her name. I mm-hmm. haven't introduced her in the game yet, but I've seen her. I've talked to her and whatnot. And I think she's a cool character. But as far as like the main story beats go, I'm just like struggling, man. And it's, it's hard for me because I also know the first dungeon and the last 10% of the game are the best parts of the game. So like the whole middle section, I'm worried is just going to be me being like, ah, you know, like let's, let's stop. I got to uh, ask though, just cause I don't play a lot of games where it, this is like a, I, I, I played 10 hours of persona four back when it came out on Vita. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm not super familiar with the series, but like, are you making different decisions? Like, do you feel like you're playing it differently just to give yourself a break or, or you're like, no, there's one true way to play this game. Like there's, there's the right decision. There's decisions you can make, right? But the story is going to progress the same. Like, okay, you make different I... decisions in how you live your day-to-day life. You can go with different confidants and whatnot. But, like, as far as, like, the overall story, it's going to progress the same. Okay. And that's the hard part, is because if the game is so plot-heavy, and I know I'm jumping in for a 100-hour adventure, and I, I'm in the first five hours, and I'm already like, I love this game so much, but I just have no desire to go through every single beat again. So, like, that, that's that been rough. It's been a little disappointing. But, like, again, I love the game, and I love the combat so much, and, like, the, the gameplay loop of collecting the personas and evolving them and whatnot. It's just the actual, like, plot that I'm sure. struggling with. Um, and I think that the, the way to do this for Atlas should have been to just make this a $20 DLC pack. That's and, what it should have been. Yeah. And the, the, you had an extra semester at the end, and if you want to replay it, there's a lot more content to play through. But you can also start from your save at 20 well, hours that that's how they should have done it or because hours. they even kind of did that with persona 3 fes because you could go in and choose the answer like you could choose in the menu like the extra content that was in that game so i mean i know there was there's scenes with kasumi and stuff added in like throughout the the base game now yeah um but i just wish like you said i i agree i wish there was a way to just jump straight to that new stuff because truthfully had there been a way to do that i would have beaten it um but i mean i was kind of in the same boat i i love that game but it's just kind of hard to like replay a 120 hour game <laughs> yeah especially <laughs> so. especially when you're at the very beginning and you know how right. much you have to do and right. you're like oh i got it and there, the new game plus is like non-existent like you got to level all your confidence from zero right. your personas from zero yeah. your levels from zero it's just like cut me some slack you know <laughs> give me a give me, give me a bone here like get, get me something to make this progression shorter but they right. didn't you have to do everything from square one again um so i'm still gonna do it it's just like from the beginning from the get-go i i haven't been enjoying myself as much as i thought i would so we'll see how it turns out but other than that in, that's pretty much all i'm playing in that case can you do me a favor and explain okay. um Final Fantasy 14. Why should I play Final Fantasy 14? Well, it's a completely different genre. Best MMO ever made. Yeah, so, no, I, I know it's a different genre, but I'm saying if you if you don't want to do that, can you explain why I, as someone who's never played Final Fantasy 14, should care about Final Fantasy 14? Because from the outside, I think I want to care about it. 
I'm, but, I'm confused as to what you're asking me because like you could be asking me like why why should I care about like any of the greatest games ever made? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> like, 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 I'm confused as to, like how how you're relating this to Persona Five question. Well, you said you didn't want to talk about that anymore, and so I, I thought we'd go back to another game you said you played. Oh, did I miss, oh, okay. did I, did so, I miss here? Sorry. I, no, 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 no. I was just confused. So Final Fantasy fourteen is just like tit for tat the best MMO ever created, and the story in Final Fantasy four. Have you played a lot of JRPGs? Um, not really. Like I kind of like okay. uh, po- Pokemon, and uh, I played Final Fantasy ten for the first time last year, and that's like okay. one of my favorite games of all time now. Like the game is incredible. But so, like, if you have any interest in the MMO genre. Play Final Fantasy fourteen. Like I don't play World of Warcraft. I I really don't care what anyone says. I put ten years of my life into World of Warcraft. Right. Like I played I played World of Warcraft at the highest level, at the casual level. I I've, I followed all the games lore. World of Warcraft is not as good a game as Final Fantasy fourteen. The main reason it's not as good as a game is because the community in World of Warcraft is one of the most toxic communities on the entire internet. Mm. Um, like if you don't know exactly what you're doing in World of Warcraft, that community will cut you apart. And they, they will straight up like kick you from a group, even if it's your first time doing it. And Final Fantasy fourteen, like you can drop into a main like like the game is how an MMO should be, right? It's how you imagine an MMO being when you think of how like being a, like a role playing game on the internet would be fun. Like you drop into one of the main cities, like Limsa Lamensa, and there's people there just chilling. They're playing music, like they're they're crafting, they're just posing, like taking pictures of their characters and whatnot. You go on like a, a dungeon. And you're like, hey, guys, this is my first time. And someone will be like, oh, okay, here, here's all the boss mechanics typed out for you. Um, and that's only the multiplayer aspect of the game. The right. plot of the game is something else entirely, which is like the greatest Final Fantasy plot ever created, which is saying something because Final Fantasy is known for their good plots, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, but there's something really, really special about Final Fantasy 14, man. And I think, I think it stems from like the gameplay loop of upgrading your character. The amazing community, um, like the, the just the the way the developers interact with the fans is like super super cool. So, for instance, let me just because because it's the first thing that comes to my mind, right? Everyone like that plays a, a this like a female character in the game. Not everyone, but a lot of people that play the female character in the game. They want to dress their character like a hoe, like like a massive hoe, right? <laughs> they want to make because they like like how your character looks in an MMO is like such a big important part. So the, when they put the 2B outfit in the game, because there's a near autonomous oh, yeah. crossover, the way the outfit was sculpted made your butt look smaller. And people like complained about it. And they were like, listen, <laughs> like we, we want like we want like a donk donk. We want like, we want a dump truck back there. And the developer in the next patch was like, you got it. <laughs> Give me something me and my friends can play poker on. Okay, yeah, guys. Like, and the, the developers were like, you got it. Here you go. And they fixed it, right? So whenever there's criticism in the game, the developers take it to heart and they're very serious about it. Like because this game, Final Fantasy 14, was crafted as an apology for how bad Final Fantasy 14 was originally. And I, I, I remember that. That happened when I was in yeah. college and I remember that game tanking. Yeah. And then I remember yeah. them being like, well, I guess a meteor is just about to hit this world. And, and yeah. like, they literally just blew up the world to start a new like that's. And it's like a part of the story in the game now. It's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. And so I've always been curious about it, but like I've never really played an MMO and like I tried to play the Old Republic and here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say is I had never had any interest in MMOs at all. I had never played an MMO. I played this game and I put 500 hours into it. Okay. Is there, 
I know it's an old game and people who are listening are probably in the know on Final Fantasy 14. So I don't want to talk about it too much longer. But is there like a little bit for me to dip my toes into before making a, like a, a purchasing decision? Massive free trial where you can literally yeah. put hundreds of hours into it without paying a dime. Cool. You yeah, can play all the way through the end of the first expansion. Yes. Oh, okay. And you actually the the patches after that as well. Up up and, until yeah. the third expansion, you can play in story uh, through level sixty. It's it's going to take you a really long time. I really recommend downloading the free trial and d- jumping into it because. And also, what I would recommend if if you want to know what the greatest story is in video game development history, watch the no clip documentary on Final yeah. Fantasy fourteen because the absolute because basically what happened was square fired the entire management team and they brought in yoshi p this guy and he's like he, he's like a wizard essentially like like he, he just took control he started from the very bottom got these got this team motivated and had they split he split the team in half to like develop the game the new game a realm reborn and update the game that's existing so that the people existing could enjoy their experience and then the people that stayed with the game and like supported the game and until a realm reborn came out, they're all listed in the credits of, of the, of the game. Oh, that's rad. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, there's, there's, there's like a whole bunch of really cool stories. Like my favorite part of this story, and I'm sorry, I, Austin, I know we're dragging on here, but my favorite part of this story is like they crafted this setup, right? They were going to have the, the Garlean empire invade the major cities. And they were going to, once, they took control. They're, this world was going to end. Everyone that was logged into the servers was going to see this cutscene, which is the intro to Realm Reborn. It's the cutscene. And the developers couldn't beat the players. The players formed like a phal- phalanx in front of their cities, right? And uh, the developers were like throwing these super high level monsters, but these players were like, uh uh, not my city, bud. And they, they, were, they actively had to make new monsters during this event to try and fight the players and they this went on for like hours the developers were like we can't beat these guys right and then they they formed a giant wall of these um mounts called i think they're called gobus which they're like these giant like forest giant things and if you look online you can see a picture of like these players all on their mounts like standing in front of the city like this is our city like you're staying out of it. And it's just, it's such a cool story, man. Like Eve online probably has crazier stories, but that's people versus people. I've never heard of like a developer being like, Oh God, what can can we do to screw over these players? Like we need this for the story. Yeah. Also it's amazing that they can do this, but what are we going to (laughs) do? Yeah. That's incredible. All right. I'll I'll, I'll watch that. No clip. I like Danny a lot. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's a six part series. The whole thing's incredible. Like just, just, it, it almost makes you like, well up seeing what these developers went through in order to please the community so i think i think once you watch that you understand like why final fantasy 14 is as good as it is because the whole thing is about pleasing the the fans so all right let's move on to some new stories this week shall we gentlemen yeah um where do we want to start awesome let's start with you Okay. Out of the thing. So no, it's fine. We were just having a conversation in the document, and uh, it worked out well. So yeah. Perfect. Um, <clears throat> my story is about. Uh, it's a report from Eurogamer, and let's see. So the the headline is: We'll never guess what studio is developing a new Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game. 
Um, which obviously this comes. What? I bet I can guess. Who? Me. You. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I can guess. Jeff is making the new Knights of the Old Republic. No, is that why I, you weren't on last week? You were busy? No. I can guess that it's like Ubisoft. He was busy acquiring the Star Wars lights. Yeah. Oh, hey, I don't, um, I don't think it's Ubisoft. Cool. Wasn't there? I, I linked the story in the Slack that it was Ubisoft developing a Star Wars game, right? Yeah, this Ubisoft is making a Star Wars game. Yes, um, it's the it's the division team, if I'm not mistaken. But I yes, it is. anyway, that's not that's not the new stuff. Um, so this is again on Eurogamer. They say the rumor comes via the Bob, the podcast. Um, they say contributor Bespin Bulletin reports that a new installment of the fan favorite RPG is in development, adding it's not with EA and we'll never guess what studio is taking on the project. Um, and this is all a direct quote, I guess, from Bespin Bullet. It says, amongst my digging, I've heard there's a new Knights of the Old Republic project in development somewhere. Um, and then he goes on to say, I, or he or she goes on to say, I talked to a couple of people. And they also found out that Jason Schreier said it's not with EA and will never guess who the studio is that's making the game. Naughty Dog. That'd be wild. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, it would be super <laughs> rad. Remember, remember a couple years ago how Sony Santa Monica was working on a space game and then they canceled uh, it when, when Destiny oh, was yeah. revealed? I know it's not that. I think it's going to be, is it Oblivion? Oh, like the... Or, sorry, Obsidian, Obsidian, sorry. Oh, um, the, the developers of... Um, An Xbox exclusive Star Wars game? Of Old Republic 2. Uh, I don't know, but I think like Sony doing Spider-Man as like a second party, like that kind of changed things. And then... Well... Uh, just it being up in the air about whether or not like uh, Bethesda games are coming out on multi-platform. Like, I think there's a lot of interesting potential um i was listening to ps i love you this week and they brought up how sony made that sony santa monica or no sony san diego studio i guess mm-hmm. um and we don't really know what they're working on and Dude, no way i refuse to believe that sony captured a star wars exclusive title especially as big as knights of the Old republic no way I don't necessarily know. I mean, the the thing is, if if Bethesda is making an Indiana Jones game and that could potentially be an Xbox exclusive, it's like Sony's like, all right, I don't know, man. All right, guys. You're never gonna believe this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, I got no rebuttal. No rebuttal. I mean, tr- truthfully, I don't know. I, I just I've never played Knights of the Old Republic. Um, I've always wanted to. Uh, one of these days, I will. If it doesn't crash my PC or make me so, zoom in, on my you have an desktop. iPhone. I have an Android. It's on Android. But I, I also have a, a Xbox yeah. One. Isn't it backwards compatible? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, um, it's, it's, so it's like t- 10 bucks. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. Are they going to call it Knights of the Republic 3, or are they going to remake the first game? Because hmm. that's very interesting to me. Because if they call it Knights of the Republic 3, it immediately canonizes the first two games. If right. they remake it, then they can they have free room to do whatever they want. And I'm not convinced that they want to do that because the High Republic, I haven't read the High Republic at all, but I imagine there's some sort of con- conflicting things with the Old Republic. There has to be, right? I'm 10 chapters, 12 chapters into the High Republic, like the new book. Nothing I've seen so far disputes anything that happened in the first two Knights of the Republic games. Are you liking the book? 
Yeah, I am. Timeline-wise, uh, where is Knights of the Republic at? 2,000 years before Phantom Menace. Yeah. 2,000 years? Okay. So that's a huge difference then, because mm-hmm. High Republic is only 200 years before. Yeah. So that's interesting. Huh. Um, but yeah, no, I'm like, uh, was it Light of the Jedi is the book I'm reading? Yeah. It's, it's good. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this. I really... I love Knights of the Republic 1. I'm I'm pretty into Knights of the Republic 2. Uh those games are trash though. Like playing <laughs> like playing those games is not fun. Yeah. Like the story's oh, the story's perfect. The worlds you. you can go to are perfect. But like man, like the actual play mechanics. Well, it's like D&D like 3rd edition, man. Like it's it's not it's fun. D&D 3rd edition is great. You bite your tongue. George is over here saying this, and then weeks ago he said Mass Effect One doesn't need any upgrades. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I Come on, that. George. Jeez. Hot take with well, you over here. Well, that was like an action game. Granted, I don't really like turn-based games that much. So, like, I know I'm already like starting at like kind of a, a bad faith place with like Knights of the Republic, um, <laughs> in terms of playing it. But like that game is just like really boring to play. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Okay, but like, think about what you actually do in that game. Yeah, it's a turn-based RPG. You select your abilities, and then they do them. There's no way that they wouldn't have made an action game at the time that size with those decisions if they could. Like, they absolutely would have. They did the turn-based thing for the same reason Fallout Three did Vats because the shooting wasn't good in, in Fallout Three. Like, it was That's just a it was a te- it was a technological compromise. I don't like what you're saying right now. There's a reason Jade Empire wasn't like that is all i'm saying <laughs> there's a reason the next game they made immediately after was not like it i don't like what you're saying and it's it's almost it's borderline heresy look i love that game i bet i played that game more than you the game is not fun to play oh now that's a challenge up there pal it's on iphone man i play that game all the time <laughs> there, pal. i don't like what you're saying <laughs> i don't think i like the cut of your jib there yeah. bob <laughs> I don't know what we were talking about. Oh, the studio that's making the third one. I don't know. I if it's not Ubisoft, you also praise be the the executive that was like, yeah, we're not making. You're not. You don't have the exclusive license anymore. Yeah. Well, they do. So, like, I think the idea is that like Probably the didn't. license ends in 2023. Yeah, because it was a 10 year license, right? And so I think it, it's signed 2023, but they don't want to like wait until the license is over to go out and like secure a game. Like they want a game to come out the day that license ends. Like that's that's, that's such deep. like an F U to EA. Like, well, I the more I, I think that. about it, I, I'm mad at EA. Like we should have had so many more great Star Wars games in the last eight years. Yeah, like, we we absolutely oh, yeah. should have. It's oh yeah, and like they cancel they deleted like was it uh uprising like that mobile game that was like actually pretty fun to play it was like a little diablo you could play on your phone which like wasn't perfect but like it was fun they canceled amy hennig's star wars game they canceled that they canceled like they brought it up to ea vancouver and then they canceled it again they canceled yeah like they destroyed like one of the best studios in their entire stable right like the the dead space team like Uh yep why like all they've done is mess up and like battlefront 2 austin you've been playing that lately that game's awesome they really turned it around yeah that game's awesome now <laughs> um it's always gonna have the stigma though always yeah. it's still i'm pretty sure it's still the most downvoted comment on reddit i believe it probably <laughs> and it's, and when it's someone be. was like yo it takes like 200 hours to unlock a character and they're like we want our players to have a sense of satisfaction and achievement 
and they're like yeah that's not uh, that's not for us chief (laughs) (laughs) all right uh gun to your head right now austin who is the studio that we won't believe is making this game um (laughs) sony san diego because i don't know who else to say all right (laughs) seth gun to your head who's making this game ubisoft ubisoft okay i'm sticking to my guns i think it all makes sense all right so they're uh, making two i'm going to i'm going obsidian um no i think it's the same game no it's it's a different game from my understanding oh i guess you maybe you could be right yeah i didn't think about that i don't know ubisoft pedigree of making rpgs now i think it makes sense and and like like choice-based rpgs like assassin's creed odyssey i haven't played valhalla sure but but I'm gonna cu- I'm gonna cut your argument at the knees right now. I don't think that matters anymore because the Killzone team made Horizon, and because they built different, bud. Gorillas yeah, okay. built different. sure, but also like the the respawn went from Titanfall two to Apex to Jedi Fallen Order. Like, I don't think that like a specialty yeah. is as meaningful anymore. Like, I think. Ambitions. No, but it's a resume, right? I mean, like sure, it's yeah. like, hey, we, we we have a good history of making these titles. We need something to spice it up. Maybe we're the ones that do it. They, I could see that being a bargaining chip when they come to Lucas Film and they're like, hey, we're the guys to do it. Sure, sure. So, but I'm just saying, like, going from first person shooters to third person action games, like, I don't know, like people have proven me wrong before. I didn't think Horizon was going to be any good. I'm like, well, they're leaving Killzone. That's a mistake. And like, I was wrong. And then like respawn, respawn. I just assumed they were making like a new Republic Commando game, and I was disappointed when they weren't. But like Fallen Order is really good, so like I'm, I'm not yeah. mad. But um, I don't know. Like I, I think people are more ambitious, and I think like there's just something about Star Wars, especially like I really liked Rise of Skywalker. I understand people have issues with it, but like there's just like the perception that like the brand is damaged, and like I assume every developer is thinking like I can turn this ship around, like I can do it, like. We can, we are the people who can make the best Star Wars game yet, and so I, I have to assume that's like a driving force, just like that creative fire, you know. Oh, for sure. If you find like a motivated team that has the time and resources to do it, like Jedi Fallen Order was a good game, yeah. but it was obviously rushed. Like there was there were significant issues with Jedi Fallen Order that made it seem rushed. And my hope is that someone. If it's not EA, like EA is definitely working on Fallen Order too, but I hope that story continues in some way because there's definitely a huge cliffhanger at the end of Fallen Order that needs to be resolved. So I'm I'm sure it will. Like it doesn't really cost Disney anything, right? Right. It's not like Disney has an unlimited bank account anyway. That's a fair yeah. point. <laughs> uh, so <sighs> anyway, let's dive into the next story here. Uh, I want to talk about GameStop stock. Yeah, please. <laughs> I want to talk about it, like our. Like, okay, so for those who are unaware, GameStop stock has jumped, has it, on, in one month, it has tripled on December. Let's see, CNBC says it's risen 680% this month alone. Yeah, so in December, on December 31st, it was $18.84. A share. It is now, mm-hmm. as of today, $150 a share. And I'm not, I'm jumping into this conversation completely ignorant, just reading a, a few baseline things. Apparently, this is all artificially inflated stock, and yes. people are jumping on board and making a ton of money. So, apparently, what happened was there is this 
subreddit called Wall Street Bets. And they all decided to buy GameStop stock, which jumped up the price. And then GameStop did this thing where they could halt trading, I guess. I don't understand how that works. And it's left me with a ton of confusion because essentially what these guys did was massively manipulate the stock market where they all bought yeah. stock. And because they all bought stock, it inflated it to insane amounts of money. It doesn't and then make just sense if you played it? Animal Crossing. Like this would all make sense if you played Animal Crossing. <laughs> well, like why has why are people not doing this constantly? Then if, if there's if there's like that's what I'm confused about is like one, how does this even happen? And two, is this even legal? Like is this? Yeah, I don't know. Allowed? <laughs> so a subreddit Wall Street Bets has 2.5 million people that are subscribed to it. 346,000 people are online right now. That is wow. a significant community if you want to make money, right? Like if, if, if 2.5, now let's assume that not everyone did, right? So let's assume a quarter of them did, right? I don't know. If they were all like, let's put all our money into this company's stock that's failing. Shoot up the price so that all that stock gets inflated and then sell it. We're all going to quintuple our money. I'm like, what is our economy built on? <laughs> like, there, is some, there is one article that said some guy invested like 58K and change and then cashed out at 11 million. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? I really don't understand it. I was going to point out today, too. Apparently, Elon Musk tweeted about the stocks at four o'clock. No, he didn't tweet and, out about the stocks. He tweeted out the word game stonk. Like that was what he did. Oh. Well, after he did that, the stocks after he did that, the stocks jumped another forty percent. Screw that guy into oblivion. That guy's worthless. No, he's cool. He you know, he built a flamethrower and gave it with every car. He's cool. He's a cool guy. Wow, what a cool dude. <laughs> I don't see you building flamethrowers around here, George. Well, you I build a flamethrower to... he pops. Well, I got hairspray and a lighter set, so I guess I always had a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> didn't cost me 250 bucks sure didn't <laughs> whatever no this stuff doesn't make any sense to me at all and i i'm like confused i, I my brain just so, doesn't compute it what i'm seeing a lot of people say is that this is going to screw over a ton of people yeah because apparently when they everyone decides to sell it's going to plummet the price and people who didn't sell are just going to lose all their money yeah right. they're going to be the ones holding the bag yeah um, so but at the same time it's isn't it, it's their responsibility to check their stock, right? So like, who cares? Uh, well, I think what's like really dangerous is that like they bought into the stock when it was clearly like GameStop was like licking its wounds after a pandemic, which doesn't help. After waiting mm -hmm. so long for like the next generation of consoles to come out, which didn't help. Like it was already sort of like kicked up and beat down on the floor, and then everyone came in, did this to artificially inflate their prices, and everyone is just thinking like. Like, yeah, there are like master manipulators here who are making a killing, but there's also like a whole bunch of people being like, oh, the stock's rising. Like, I should get in now while I still can and then cash out later. Who just think like, oh, well, there's a GameStop in every mall. Like, that's going to be like, that's a good investment. Like, that's not going away. Video games are great. Everyone loves video games. And then they're going to be the ones that are screwed. Like, it, it's like, you're, I just don't think like the people who 
came in a little too late or mean enough to like understand what's happening. And I say that as someone who barely understands what's happening, <laughs> just, just so we're clear. I'm not like those idiots. Yeah, I'm I, like, Oh, you muffin. Like I, there's a reason I don't do this. Like the only gambling I do is like fantasy football. Yeah. Like daily fantasy stuff. And like, I, I make $9 a week doing that. Like I, I make back my, my purchasing ticket and a little mm-hmm. bit of money to buy an additional ticket the next week. Like that's all I do. If I um, may, yeah. I don't think the pandemic actually affected GameStop stock in any way. Well, just in as much as like other stores were like, just like sh- in-store shopping in general, I guess was right. Was what well, I and here's the reason I say that. Cause I'm looking at their stocks and on June 7th, 2019, they were at $5 a share. And I, yeah, I see what you're looking at too. On January 24th, 2020, they were at 432. And August 7th, they were at 416. So it was, it was moving around a little bit, but now it's at $147 a share. And it's like, eh? Dude, imagine so, being like. But also, this is like the confusion that I think a lot of people make. And like, I, I don't mean to make this political, but like when Trump was always arguing about the stock market being at record highs, like, yeah, that's great. The stock market was at a record high, but that's not the same thing as a strong economy. Like, like it, it's it's investment in like the potential of the business. Like, it, it's not the same thing as the business doing well. You know, right? I mean, you're you're 100 right. GameStop's obviously been doing worse year over year, which is uh, well. And we're getting off on a tangent, but like, how does this affect GameStop, the company? Does this like bankrupt them yeah. afterward? Are they are like are the executives looking at this being like we have so much money? <laughs> like like I mean and again I don't know why I brought this topic up because I mean it is relevant to the games, but like I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I, I imagine the GameStop executives being pretty happy about this, right? Well, sure. It's one thing to brag about being like, oh, our we we like look what happened under our leadership. Our stock went up. What do you say, seven hundred something percent? Six hundred eighty percent. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like that's that's something you can put on your resume for your next job. You know. Um, but this is like a famous case. Like people are saying that Wall Street bets is going to go down in the history books as like a as as like a this being like a moment in history where they artificially inflated stocks six hundred eighty percent. I mean, and you would have to imagine. I've never heard of this ever happening before. So I'm sure it has though. Like. Probably not to this degree, but like, again, I don't think any of us are like the qualified people to discuss no. this. Um, <laughs> like what we really need is Olivia Munn's character from the newsroom to come on and explain this to us. But I don't think she's available since that show ended five years ago. Um, Dude, I opened a uh, a Roth IRA last week and I'm like, I just don't. I'm so confused. Like just as far as, as just put, just and trading as much- and stuff goes. You have like a cap on it each year. Just put as much as you can into it each year. That's all you got. Right. You're fine. It's just like I, this stuff is so over my how, head. How old are you? 25. Yeah, you're fine. I'm 30. I don't even have a Roth IRA. You're, you're golden. <laughs> don't don't worry about it. But it's still it's like when I when I look at it, I'm like, OK, what do I want to buy? And I'm like so far, I've done mutual funds, which is obviously like the safe thing to do. Um, but it's like you can buy specific stocks and stuff as well. And it's like. How do people get the thought process of artificially raising a stock to the point that it's not actually worth that much, but you can maybe make money from it being worth that much, but then the investors and the people at the company are like happy about this potentially, but it's kind of like 
nothing has changed at all and it's just people driving the price up on their own it's just it's crazy i i don't understand any of it well i mean i assume this is going to be like another like enron situation or like bernie madoff situation where it's just like oh everyone's buying all this stock it's like yeah but what do you do and they're like well everyone's buying the stock and then everyone keeps buying the stock because everyone's buying the stock and then all of a sudden it's like no but really though what do you do and then all of a sudden the mets are paying bobby bonilla a million (laughs) dollars or 1.3 million dollars every july 1st for 25 years like it's just going to be a situation like that right Again, someone's always left holding the bag. So apparently, yeah. this there's short selling. Stop, I'm, I'm reading about this right now. Apparently, there's a short selling thing going on in this. I don't really understand it, but this is how it's defined. One way to make money on stocks for which the price is falling is called short selling. Short selling is a fairly simple concept. An investor borrows stock, sells the stock, and then buys the stock back to return it to the lender. Huh. Short sellers are betting the stock will drop in price. If the stock does drop after selling, the short seller buys it back at a lower price and returns it to the lender. The difference between the sell price and the buy price is the profit. What I'm understanding is that Wall Street Bets did this to screw over the short sellers of GameStop stock. And th- that was their whole goal. And I don't understand any of this. We need to have some sort of financial advisor on this show to yeah. fully understand the concepts we're currently exploring. <laughs> I mean, I'll put a call out. Like, I do think this is really interesting. And it's no, like, I do too. We always talk about games. It's just like, oh, well, like, yeah, when the wind blows and goes to Tsushima, that's beautiful. But like, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be cool to understand, like, I don't know, slightly more practical business side effects of, of the actual industry. Because like the, the industry is up year over year, right? Like, isn't it like it's, right. it's most profitable year ever? And like, yep. uh, yeah. not quite. But not physical game. But not physical. Different. Yeah. Sure, sure. But just like the 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 hobby i I guess um yeah and so like i guess this is kind of related into my news and we could just like talk about it super quickly uh but the microsoft ceo uh satya nadella uh series xs uh launch moved the most devices uh in an xbox launch month uh gaming revenue hit five billion the highest ever for a quarter there was two billion in revenue from third-party game sales xbox live hit 100 million monthly active users and there are 18 million Xbox Game Pass subscribers. That was from Eddie McCooch, who is an associate editor at GameSpot. Followed him for a while. He was like the only East Coast GameSpot editor. He was in Boston, <laughs> and I lived in Boston at the time. And then he moved to Australia. And oh. I think he's well, I, I don't know what he's up for, to now. Uh, like a game journalism job. I don't know. I mean, don't you want to live in Australia just for a little bit? There's a lot of things that can kill me in Australia. <laughs> The 18 million Game Pass users is interesting. Yeah, and so like that, um, I ended up buying two years worth of Xbox Live uh, just like because they announced that the Xbox Live price was going away and that the only thing left would be, or it would be $60 for three months. Yeah. Yeah. So they were basically making it, or sorry, Xbox Live was gonna, it it is $59.99 for a year and they were gonna make it $59.99 for six months. And so I went out and I bought two years worth of Xbox Live because like I like Game Pass, but I also have so many subscriptions that I know I'm never going to use Game Pass the way it's intended to. Like if it was my only subscription, if I didn't have like Marvel Unlimited or DC or Netflix, like, yeah, that'd be great. But I like other things. And so I'm like, I'm realistically never going to use this. Um, And so I went out and did that. And then they reverse course saying like, okay, we won't do that. (laughs) They're basically trying to force everyone to buy Xbox Game Pass, which is admittedly a great deal. 
but it's also twice as much as a year of Xbox Live Gold is, which is what you need to, until that day, you needed it to run free-to-play games. They no longer require that. When I was in college, you needed Xbox Live Gold to run Netflix. And that's why I became such a PlayStation gamer, because I could run Netflix on my PlayStation 3 without a subscription to anything except for Netflix. Like, it was was awesome. Um, And so economy segue <laughs> <laughs> i think game pass is the best deal in all of gaming and that's not, sure. it's not even close um, oh it totally is it absolutely is i just how long do you guys think until they raise the price that's what i'm curious about one year for game pass yeah uh what is it it's 120 bucks a year right now i, I believe so. so yes how bucks a month i could see it going up to 15 soon yeah yeah i think they're gonna do the netflix thing which i just saw netflix prices rose again yeah yeah. I'm like, what hill do you guys think like you have? Well, tomorrow? it was awesome when, like, West Wing and The Office and Parks and Rec, like, when every show in Battlestar Galactic, like, it was in Doctor Who, like, it was awesome when every show I have ever cared about in my entire life was on Netflix. I'm like, yeah, I'll pay 15 bucks a month for that. But now, like, everything is just on its own thing. And mm-hmm. Netflix, I'm like, all right, I might get a month of it when Stranger Things comes out. But also, yeah. they're going to be, like, 30 next season. So I don't know how much I care. <laughs> um, um I actually, I had Netflix, my own Netflix account for 10 years. I canceled it earlier in the year, and now I, I leech off my friends whenever there's something I do want to watch on Netflix. But I have no desire to get a Netflix subscription, man. Like, for the price it is, there's not a whole lot on this service that I want to watch anymore. I mean, they've nope. lost almost everything, except for their Netflix original series, which is good. Like, yeah. I can't wait for the next season of Lock and Key if it's not canceled. Like, I, I haven't heard anything about it, but. Um, um yeah it used to be just like a repository of everything i cared about like tv wise like it was a no-brainer but now like honestly i think they are getting better movies now that their tv licensing has like kind of gone away like i think they're getting more interesting movies at the very least like i, I watched a whole bunch of kung fu movies a few weeks ago that like, boy you love to hear it that just like weren't on anything else and then like a whole bunch of just like weird detective shows that you know, like random stuff from Sweden or whatever. Um, and like I started, like, was it the new Lupin show, like that French heist thing? Like that, that's good. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I am sort of like losing steam and I'm like, huh, like that money could be better spent maybe on Game Pass, you know, <laughs> like maybe, maybe right. that's when, maybe that's like the trade I'll make. Um, yeah, earlier in the year, I went through all my subscriptions and canceled almost all of them. And I got to do that again because like slowly but surely, I've been grabbing more and more again. Like I have like mm-hmm. an ESPN Plus and stuff like that for MMA and like Crunchyroll and Funimation and like, Oh, I have, I have pretty much almost every subscription I can possibly get at this point. Doesn't Sony, Sony certain... doesn't Sony own Crunchyroll and Funimation now? Yeah. Well, they, no, just, bought, they, do, yeah. they just bought the purchase. It's, you still have to have two separate subscriptions. I imagine they're going to collapse them into one service eventually. Or well, maybe they won't. Into, maybe into they won't. One service or roll that into PlayStation plus. Like if you that's start offering sweet. more value, like I granted, that's not, you know, a service for everyone, but like if, I don't know if Xbox Live and Game Pass are going to be rolled into one. You know, like, why not? Like, it's like fight for me, you know. First PlayStation Plus and PlayStation um, now, now yeah. to go into one service. It's crazy that they're not. Yeah. Because I, I can't imagine the PlayStation Now numbers are that good. I don't know anybody that uses it. I use it. I love it. Really? I, I think it's awesome. That's how I played Infamous 2. Like, on my I first show. George is the only person I know that uses PlayStation Now. So uh, it's it's really good. I mean, like it has like every PlayStation Three first party game, um, and a and a bunch of like random awesome third parties that are actually like, kind of expensive. Um, is Final Fantasy Thirteen on there? You know, uh, I don't know. I've honestly just been using it to play Infamous Two. Mm-hmm. That's so. fair. Infamous Two is a great game. It is. 
All right. All right. Well, do we have anything in closing that we want to talk about? No. Obviously not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been episode 42 of Frame Skip. As always, remember, you can find us on Twitter at FrameSkipPod. You can find me at Seth S. Taylor, Elijah at Local Lizard Man, Austin as at Austin J. Eller, George is at GB Loftus. Write in your questions for the show at bit.ly slash FrameSkipQ. Email us at frameskippodcast at gmail.com and uh, leave us a good review on your podcatcher of choice if it allows that. Or, you know, if you want to like uh, get five bucks, just go on iTunes and leave a review and message me and tell me you did it because I'll do that. Also, if you want Seth and I to have a spinoff <laughs> Gunpla show, just just let us know. Yeah, um, let us know about that because I will 100% be down for that. Yeah. If, if you will, if I may say, I will be down with a sickness. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> seems as good right, as any to end it yeah <laughs> <laughs> until next time later goodbye nerd see you later nerds <laughs>